Brachas, Perik Beis, Mishnah Zion, 2-7. The Mishnah continues to discuss scenarios in which Rabban Gamliel acted not in accordance with what he had um, necessarily taught his Talmudim. Here we're talking about the death of Rabban Gamliel's quite famous slave, famous in, the, famous in the Gemara time, whose name was Tavi. Now, Tavi appears in a number of Gemaras, and in each time um, he's extolled as being not just a generic slave, but someone who's actually a Tamakachim, and worthy of smicha even, in the time of Chazal, etc. So he was an extraordinary person who happened to be a slave. Now, just to make sure we're clear here, in this confuses people often, in the Torah there are two types of avadim. One is an Evid Ivri, one is an Evid Kanani. Evid Ivri means a Jewish servant, and Evid Kanani means a Canaanite slave. When we say Canaanites, we mean simply non-Jewish. So, an Evid Ivri, a Jew who is in servitude, is a regular Jew in all accounts. If it's a male, let's talk about male here. So we're talking about um, a man who ended up in financial trouble and ended up having to essentially sell himself into servitude because he couldn't pay back his debts or stole money that he couldn't that he couldn't um, repay. But his He's a regular Jew, and essentially in all respects, with one small exception, but he's a regular Jew, so that means every day he puts on tefillin and daven chakras and keeps kosher and everything else. He's a regular Jew, just he, he lives in someone else's house and serves them. He's the one who has his, the nirtzah who has his ear, um, you know, perforated if he wants to stick around and remain in servitude with his master because the Jew is supposed to be free and it's supposed to be a, a temporary um, setup for him. That's not the topic of our Mishnah. We're talking here about an Evid Kanani. Evid Kanani, a non-Jewish slave. A non-Jewish slave is a person who's actually owned by a Jew. This is a very difficult topic, um, and not one I want to necessarily explore this minute, um, but certainly since one of the Torah's central values is Cheres, freedom, and Torah extols the importance of freedom, and a human being being free um, to serve Hashem. So it needs some exploration how the Torah even allows for one person to own another person. Obviously that person, the owned person, the slave, is not entirely free. Um, if you're interested in the topic, and you should be, so there's a fantastic book that my Rebbe Zerucha um, recommended to me called Every Man a Slave by Sender Zev. I recommend that book. In any case... Um, in very short, the Evid Kanani is owned, but nevertheless, so meaning he's on some levels like chattel, like a owned piece of property. Um, I guess in all respects, yeah, he's, he's an owned piece of property. But he, of course, still is a, is a Baal Bechira with the Tzalem Elohim. He's still a human being um, in the likeness, you know, in Tzalem Elohim, the image of God. And in Jewish law, the slave, the Evid Kanani, observes mitzvahs, um, just like a Jewish woman does. Um, he'll have to, if it's a man, he has to get brismili, he has to go to the mikvah and essentially become like a, a quasi-convert. Um, and he lives in the home of the Jew, and he um, he also keeps kosher, and he also keeps Shabbos, etc. Just like a woman. Um, normal slaves don't put on tefillin, just like Normal Jewish women don't put on tefillin. Um, and the Gemara actually reports, to Yerushalmi actually reports that Tavi wore tefillin, so he, he was special. But in general, except for the those 14 mitzvahs that don't 
I guess the eight mitzvahs, usher, the fourteen mitzvahs that that women um, don't do, that men do do. Uh, three of those go through with your your pass and your beard, etc. Those even do apply um, to to uh, to slaves. But in any case, beyond besides for the women mitzvahs, slaves are keeping the Torah. Nevertheless, they're owned and they should be related to, says Rabbi Gamliel. Um, when they die, it should be clear that they weren't um, real members of the family. Because understand, if you're an Evid Kanani, you, you live with this Jewish family your whole life, you're part of the family, um, and it could be misunderstood that you're actually you know, a, an adopted cousin or something like that, um, which would then lead people to think that the slave, the Evid Kanani, was actually a Jew. And the point, the back to this Mishnah is that Rabbi Gamila had taught that you're not allowed to observe the normal mourning procedures when one's slave dies, because then other people will think that this slave was actually part of the family. And then, um, if it's a woman, a female slave, Shefa Kanana, so then her children would have the din of being a Jew as opposed to being a, a non-Jewish slave. And that's a big deal, and they were concerned about that. And therefore, the rule was that one... Um, not do the normal procedures of mourning as they apply to a member of one's own family, to a normal slave. Um, those would include things like um, the tanhumen, as the Mishnah will refer to in a second, the condolences that the mourner accepts. So the way it worked in the time of the Mishnah was after the, the burial of the deceased member of one's family, so then the mourners would sort of stand in the line and the rest of the community would pass, walk past them and offer their condolences to them. Um, now it works kind of the other way around, that the, the, the those wishing consolations stand in two lines and the mourners pass between them, but that's switched around since the time of the Mishnah. In any case, um, so we wouldn't do that procedure if the person who had passed away was an Evid, was a slave of the family. Um, lest, again, people could mistake that he's actually or he's Jewish, which would be a problem if he were she and she had children. So the Mishnah now says, tavi avdo." When Tavi, the non-Jewish slave of Rabban Gamliel, died, he accepted the formal condolence procedures as if Tavi were a member of the family. This actually raises two separate questions. The first is, you're not supposed to do that for a slave, as we just said. And second of all, He's not part of his family at all events. You know, if he were a friend, he's not a family. And the question, therefore, is why would Rabbi even allow for any participate in any part of the condolence procedure? Again, we're not saying he didn't he didn't observe avelis. He didn't sit shiva for Tavi, but he certainly accepted condolences as if as if he were a family member. Normally reserved just for those those zayin krovim, those seven relatives um, that one accepts tanchum for and mourns for um, and sits shiva for. Those would be the the seven. Normally would be. Um, father, mother, sister, brother, son, daughter, or spouse. In any case, so he did accept Tanhuman. Amrulot Talmidov, so the students asked him, Lola Maratana Rabbeinu, haven't you taught us in the past, our teacher, She'ein Makablin Tanhuman Alavadam, that you're not supposed to do that, that you're not supposed to accept the condolences for the loss of one's slave, once you relate to it and treat it as the loss of some other property. Amr lahem, so he said back to them, Ain tavi avdi kishar kol havadam. He said to them really, yes, that is true, those are my words, that you normally would not observe 
the morning procedures, the Velas, excuse me, the, uh, the Tanchumen, except for the, the Tanchumen, which include the standing in the line as well as the Suda afterwards and so, that they did in time of the Mishnah and the, the blessings. But Ein Tavi Avdi Keshar Kol Avadim, Tavi is different. Tavi wasn't like other slaves. Kasher Haya. He was a special person. Hard to translate Kasher literally. It means that as opposed to normal slaves who are sort of steeped in immorality, Tavi was actually a super fine person, and in fact, a Tamachacham. So the Mephorshim explained here that what <clears throat> Ram Gamliel is saying is that the, the Rashba, for example, explains that when a person has a child, so he relates to that child in mourning, and that, that similar kind of thing applies to if one has a student. That a student is like one's child, and therefore he also mourns over the the student, law student who's like a child, and similarly, um, a, a trusted servant who spent your life with you is um, you you love also like a child. And that's what's happening with Rambamila. This was a special person, um, and being that he was a Tamachacham, in fact, that he, it was worthy to mourn him, just like it's worthy to mourn any Tamachacham. Yeah. I recommend the book to you, Every Man a Slave, and I stick to that recommendation. It, I can only tell you an anecdote that's just a tip of the iceberg if you want to get a glimpse of it. If you know people who grew up in South Africa, so South African families have servants in their house. They're not owned. They're not slaves. But they, in yesteryear, they actually were part of the family, like a, like a member of the household. Um, for example, I have an aunt who grew up in South Africa who was, I'll call it, raised by a second mother, the servant of the house. And when she got married, the maid of honor the, at the wedding was the servant, which we would call an American call like the housekeeper. But she was a live-in housekeeper for 40 years, whatever it was. And um, and she was like a member of the household, even though she wasn't like a member of the household. And that's certainly how a glimpse of how Avadim were in the time of the Mishnah. And therefore, Rabbi Galil's point is that, yes, it's true that normally one should um, not um, mourn or participate in the Tanchuman procedures by Avadim, lest their yichus get confused in the future. But because Tavi was an exceptional person, a Tamar Chacham, it's worthy for us indeed to, to mourn him and treat, recognize the loss um, that indeed we have in having lost Tavi.